Hey guys, welcome to Home Church Scotland. I'm Pastor Dave and welcome to our weekly podcast. Guys, if you're encouraged by what you hear today, why not check out our social medias? Just search for Home Church Scotland. Or why not subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our services are live and in full for you to enjoy at your listening pleasure. There's a verse in the Bible, it's in uh, Colossians chapter 3 and it's verse 1. And it says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. So if you're a Christian, we're supposed to have our minds focused on Jesus. We're supposed to have our minds focused on him. But if we're honest about it, we don't often do that or we don't always do that. And there are certain points of our life where we can take our eyes off of Jesus. I, uh, I for years and years and years thought I didn't have a testimony. I thought I had nothing to say. I used to be a bit of a rocker, right? I was in a Christian rock band and I traveled all over the place and we'd done rock shows and stuff. And anytime you were at an event playing a rock show and someone was sharing their testimony, it was always, always, always a former drug addict every time. Or it was always someone who'd been an alcoholic and who God had changed. Now, I love the fact that God can change people from drug addictions, right? I love the fact that God can change people with alcohol addictions and any other addiction. But see, even if you think your life's all together and you don't know Jesus, you need him every bit as much as the most lost person that you think is lost. That's the truth. So I remember one day it was like, there was seven guys shared a testimony. And if I'm honest, it was all the same one. It was a powerful one, but it was all the same one. And uh, I kind of thought, man, I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to say. And uh, then I realized that actually I was a sinner saved by grace, the same as everyone else, which is a proper miracle. But also, when I read this verse, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. I realized that although I've always kind of walked with Jesus, I became a Christian at eight years old. I went to a, a, a meeting with a guy called Billy Graham at Murrayfield Stadium with about 50,000 people or more than that. And at eight years old, I decided I wanted to follow Jesus and I've always followed him. But I've not always listened to him. I've always believed in him. I've always loved him, but I've not always listened to him. I've not always submitted to him, and I've definitely not trusted him with all my plans. So I was about 14 years old. Um, I grew up in the East End of Glasgow. You might be able to tell by my accent. I grew up in the East End of Glasgow in a, a relatively poor family at the time. Um, and because we were the Christians in the village, well, the village, I'm calling it a village, it was an estate, right? You know, you know what it's, I was calling it a village, right? <laughs> Because we were the Christians in the estate, we, we had it quite hard, right? We, we, got, we got picked on a lot. And because my mum had grown up in a big Easter house family with an alcoholic father and had been beaten up and abused her whole life, she kind of struggled with life a little bit and she kind of struggled with parenting a little bit. So my home life wasn't particularly nice either. Although my mum believed in God and now is a totally different person than she was back then. My goodness me, Jesus changed her phenomenally. But life was really difficult for me as a, as a young person. I got it heavy at school for being, I was Jesus Dave. I got it heavy at school. And I've got a name like Brackenridge. So you get Brackenridge just falling down, knocked to the ground. And you get all stuff like that, right? It was kind of hard. And home is hard. And life was just hard. But I believed in Jesus. And it kind of got me through. Remember at 14 years old, um, I had a really, really good youth pastor up in Lenzie Union Parish Church where I was. It was like... It sounds kind of sad, but he was kind of like my best mate. My youth pastor was my best mate because I didn't really have like that many mates at the time. So I remember thinking to myself, when he moves on to be an actual pastor, I'm going to become the youth pastor in this church and I'm going to help people in the same way that he's helped me. That was my plan. And that's what I believed I was called by God to do. 
if you'd asked me at 14, 15, and 16, and most of 17, what are you going to be? I would be like, I'm going to be a youth pastor. That's what I'm called to be. That's what God wants me to be. Anyway, 17 years old, I invited myself to a wedding. I know you don't really do that, but um, I had this guy. I didn't actually really know him. He was kind of a mate, but he was a lot older than me. He was in my church, and he'd went away to be a missionary for two years. And on this mission field, he met his wife called Helen, and he also met my wife called Ella, who was like, they were traveling as a three people going into schools and doing some mission work all over Europe. So he decided to marry Helen, because Ella was way too far out of his league. Um, I'm kidding you, no, it's just, no, no. That's a, it's big, God was keeping her for me, that's right, that's what I'm saying, right? Anyway. And just in case you're going, why did they not choose Ella? That's what I'm just saying, right? No, I'm kidding you on, right? Anyway, he decides to get married to Helen, and I still don't even know him at this stage, but he comes home to Lindsay for a couple of months before a wedding, and we just started hanging out. We went snowboarding together, just built a bit of a relationship, and he said to me that he was struggling. Two weeks' time, he's getting married in Norway, and he can't find anyone to play piano at his wedding. I couldn't even play piano, but I went, I'll do it. Right, I, I was like, how much is a ticket to Norway? It was 250 quid. I was like, I'll come, man, I'll, I'll, come, and I'll come to Norway. So 17 years old, I, I failed, well, I didn't fail at school. I left school because the bullying was just, I just couldn't go. I just couldn't cope with it. So I was already out of school. I wasn't really doing anything. Anyway, I flew to Norway, saw her, and was like, hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? How you doing? It was great. So I just knew straight away, she's the one for me. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with that girl. I'm going to marry that girl. And so I decided, eight hours after I met her, it would be a really good idea to propose. Because if I didn't propose at that point in time, she's going back to Germany where she lived at the time. I'm going back to Scotland. And I'm never going to see this incredible girl ever again in my entire life. So I was like, <clears throat> hello. And uh, a few wee chat up lines in that, right? A few wee this and that. If I could change the alphabet, I'd put you and I together. No, I never used that one, I'm kidding you on. But uh, a, wee bit, a wee bit of this and a wee bit of that, right? And uh, I says to her, look, that's true, isn't it? It's, she's like, oh no. She remembers it fondly. And uh, anyway, I said to her, hey, look man, this sounds a little bit nuts. But if I was to ask you at some point in the future, if you would marry me, would you think it was off my head? Or would you say yes? That's what I said. And she said, I think I'd say yes, and I was like... Because she was... She's a, she's a wee bit older than me. Right? Just, just a wee five years, right? So I was 17, she was 22, and 17-year-old boys chatting up 22-year-old, I want to marry you, but unbeknownst to me, this is how amazing God is. God had said... God had um, led someone to tell Ella the day before she met me that I have a strong feeling that when you go to Norway, you're going to meet the guy you're supposed to marry. It was like a word that she'd got from God from someone in her church. I didn't know that, and I stood up. I was going to say shy as you like, but I wasn't as confident as anything, right? Come on, right? Anyway, said that. She said, I think I would. And so 10 minutes later, I said, it's the future now. And I, I know, it's true. And that's it's what happened, right? That's what happened. And I asked her, I actually asked her to marry me, and she actually said yes. How, how cool is that? So there you go. That's what happened. So, um, so we didn't date. We just got engaged. Uh, the same day that we met, it was it's quite a story. Anyway, we spent a few days together in Norway, and uh, she went back to Germany to stay, and I came back to Scotland to stay. Now, when she went back to Germany, 
and she says to folk, I've met the guy I'm going to marry. He's 17 years old. They were like, what? <laughs> so everyone was like not particularly encouraging to Ella. And then when they met me, they were even less encouraging. <laughs> so I took a trip over to Germany to meet Ella. I, 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 I like food. I didn't always look like this, but right. So I, I used, I was a skinny little spotty guy. I actually had a Clyde Bank shirt on that was white, that was yellow and pink and said wet, wet, wet on it. I don't know, even know what I was doing. Ella must have got the fright of her life. But anyway, I got off, I, get, I, I, I took a bus all the way to Germany. I busked in Glasgow to make enough money and I paid the bus and I went to Germany and I busked there to take her on dates and all that. That was just kind of how we lived our lives, right? I busked to buy her an engagement ring and all that jazz. Anyway, all her family and all her friends and everyone said, what on earth are you doing with that guy? He's no good enough for you. Now I'm a guy that's been bullied my whole life, so that really hurt me, because finally I've met this girl, finally I'm going to be all right, and everyone who's anyone who knows her saying, don't do that, that's a really bad idea. And our pastor sat me down and had a chat with me and told me I wasn't good enough for her and said, do you think, do you think you're ready to get married? I went, and nobody's ready to get married, mate, but I'm going to, but I'm going to, I'm going to marry her. And he said, that, he said, I don't think you should. There's no way you're ready. You're going to be in debt. You're not going to be able to provide. You're going to fail. And just spoke all these negatives over me, to be quite honest with you. Um, and he, he actually said to me, if you're not prepared to give your entire life up and move to Poland, don't marry her. I was like, I'd give up anything to marry that girl. Do you know what I mean? But he just kept, he was on me. And it really, really hurt. And our friends said I was a bad guy. Not that I was a bad guy, just that I was the wrong guy. And everyone said I was not going to be able to provide. So from that point on, if I'm honest, my life did not become about following Jesus anymore. My life became about proving them people wrong. I was going to prove them wrong. I was going to show them that I could provide and that I could do really, really well. So I came home. I tried to go to uni for a year and study music. And I just didn't, I, I didn't like being told what to do musically. So I, so I quit that. And I got a wee job selling stuff. Selling utilities over the phone. Turned out I was really, really, really good at it. So we had to sell a hundred, uh, we had to convince a hundred people a week to come back to Scottish Hydroelectric from whatever company they'd moved to. That was my job. Anyway, I was really good at it. I was convincing 112 people a day on average to come back. When it, so I was making good commission and I was like, this sales game's no bad. And then I moved. Uh, so I was a top salesman in the whole of the UK for that company at uh, 19 years old. Thought I was a cat's pajamas, was making a lot of money. Then I became a car salesman for a couple of years, making a lot of money. Then I start, Then I found out I was really good at knocking people's doors and convincing them to buy stuff. That's where I met Peter. We did that together. We were the top salesman in the UK. It was great. I was slightly better. He was number two. That, we're not going to go there, right? That's okay. So um, that's what we did. Knock people's doors. And we, we, made, a, we made an awful lot of money. Um, like, so I think what age would I have been at the time? 21, something like that, 22, 22, and I was making, I was making about six to eight grand at the time, which 20 years ago was quite a lot of money um, for a 22-year-old uh, to, to be making, and then I got a phone call from, my, from the old church that I was on up the road, and he said, here, listen, the youth pastor's moved on to be a pastor somewhere else, and we felt like God said you were the guy to be the youth pastor, and I was like, ah, brilliant, what's the salary? 19 grand, I was like, I right. Because all I wanted to do was prove people wrong. I didn't care what God had called, calling God had put in my life. I didn't care about none. I just wanted to prove people wrong. So I turned down a job and I just kept going. Um, I got headhunted by a, a wee company to go and manage selling mobile phones. So I left there, 
bumped my wage up to a hundred and something thousand, was doing really well, and then thought to myself, why am I making this company all this money when I could be doing it for myself? So Ella got pregnant with Max by like a week or something like that. And I walked in one day and told her I had quit my job and I was starting my own business. And I didn't consult her or nothing like that, but that's what I did. Anyway, done really, really well. Grew it really, really quick. Got some really good staff. Pete came to help me for a bit. People came, got involved. We were selling tons of stuff all over the UK. Uh, and after about eight months, seven, eight months in, I got offered a chance because I had done so well in Glasgow and Falkirk, which, which is where we were based, that I got offered a chance to take over the, the kind of business in London, Manchester, Liverpool, uh, Newcastle, Perth, Dundee, Aberdeen, Inverness. So the contract over three years was going to be worth £15 million to me. And I thought I had made it right. I was really proud of myself. I was really, really arrogant. I thought I was the cat's pyjamas. Um, I was, you know, I, I, I didn't have millions in the bank yet, but it was coming, right? I was there. I had a business worth 15 million quid. I thought I was the bee's knees. Anyway, I remember one day, about a week, two weeks after that, three weeks after that, my mum called me and she said, you should be really, really thankful to God for what he's done in your life. And I said these really arrogant words, would it be God's fault if I lost everything tomorrow? She said, no. I said, so how's it God's fault? I've got everything, I earned this, I worked hard for this, this is all the stuff I've done, this is all the sacrifices I've made. And I was like, I was just claiming all the glory for myself, that I was making all this money and I just thought I was brilliant. Those words, if I lost everything tomorrow, would come back to haunt me quite significantly. So what happened was because I took on all these offices in England and Scotland and all that, I had to invest an awful lot of money in an infrastructure. So I bought vehicles, I bought vans, I bought cars, I took on leases for offices, I bought like tons and tons of equipment, sank hundreds of thousands of pounds into doing it. And then when it came for me to get paid my first instalment, I didn't get paid it. And the uh, cash flow problems sink businesses. I didn't know that because I was 24. I, did, I didn't really understand probably what I was getting into. I was just good at selling stuff and good at helping other folk to sell stuff, sign this big massive contract. But as a young guy, the contract wasn't solid enough. The company that done it to me was huge. And so they just said, take us to court, you're not gonna win. And so I got a phone call, I got the phone call telling me I, was, I had lost my business when Ella was in labor with Max. So she's in a wee hospital bed, pretending it's sore and stuff, it's crazy. And then, no, I'm kidding you, it was, right? And, uh, and I'm on the phone. In the, I'm on the phone in the reception area getting told, like, basically, you've no money left, you're gone, you're, you're done, you're sank. So that was really hard for me to take. So I sold, I had a property business as well, which I'd built up over a few years, and I sold it all just to make sure I could pay people over Christmas and try to do the right thing. Um, but it, it came to the point, and by about February time, I was hundreds of thousands of pounds in debt. So everything I'd had, I'd lost. All my houses I'd lost. I'm a couple of hundred pounds and a couple of hundred thousand in debt. And all I've got left is my house in Falkirk, which was of reasonable size and worth a reasonable amount of money at the time. So Easter Sunday, we go into church. I'd put my house in the market about two weeks before um, to, to, to say, no, two months before, sorry, to sell it because I couldn't afford the mortgage. It was going to get repossessed. I hadn't paid it in a couple of months. It was really tough. Um, my mum and dad were buying me food and stuff. There was no food banks at the time, otherwise I'd have been at the food bank, but my mum and dad were my food bank. And life really just couldn't really. I got much more depressing and much more worse. And I couldn't have felt much more a failure, if I'm honest with you. We go to church and uh, Easter Sunday, I'm talking to my pastor. I just don't know what to do. 
like, um, I, I need to get out of this. My house isn't selling. I can't afford to pay for it. It's going to get repossessed. Everything's working against me. Anyway, that day we prayed, me and Ellen, we made the decision that if we sold our house, the plan was sell our house and downsize our house. We made the decision, if we sell our house, we're going to take the profit from our house and we're going to try and clear off as much of that debt, 178,000 I think it was, we're going to try and clear off as much of that debt as we can to do the right thing as Christian people. So we prayed together in church with our pastor, God, if you would just take our house off our hands, we'll pay off whatever we can do and then we'll start again. That's what we decided to do. So we went home. There was a power cut in the house. So we dropped off Aaron and Colin with my mum. And we had Max, who was at this point, what, three, four months old, home with us. House is Baltic. If you've ever been in a power cut, the house is cold. It had been cold all day. We slept in the living room, put some candles on, and just tried to get as warm as we could. Anyway, one in the morning, there's this like beep, which, is a, which was an answering machine going off, and it woke me up. And Ella said to me, David, could you please go and get me some water? I don't normally do what I'm told at one o'clock in the morning. Right, I'm normally like, get yourself water. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Right, but anyway, I got up and I went to get Ella some water. And in our house, Peter and Sandro remember it. It was like half of it was like the living bit and the other half of it was like the bedrooms bit. And I, I walked up through to, get to, to go to the kitchen and I looked through my wee glass door and the whole side of the house was up in flames, all of it. Um, and the fire spread through my house like you wouldn't believe the house was on fire. Ella was running out, screaming at the guys like uh, they were working on the street. Um, I was losing the plot. At those days, you never, well, we still had a phone that actually connected to the wall. I know young people are like, what? And the phone was connected to the wall. So I phoned the fire brigade. Well, my house is on fire, that pure shaking. And then, then I'd done a stupid thing was I opened the door to put the phone back in the hook and the fire was like, whoosh, it was the warmest thing I'd ever felt in my life. Absolutely terrifying. And I sat down on a wall, kind of about this height, and I sat and watched my house burning. And I had everything in it. All my, all my guitars is in it, all my photos of the kids is in it. Everything I own's in that house. It's burning to the ground. I phoned my mum. And I'm like, what have I done to God? What have I done to deserve this? I don't know where I've went wrong. I don't know, I don't know why God hates me. I was just totally breaking down. And she said these words to me, which killed me even more. Don't worry, son, at least you're insured. I hadn't paid my bills for four months, so I wasn't insured. I hadn't paid my home insurance because I had no money to pay my home insurance. That's just how bad things were. So I, my life's finished as far as I'm concerned. I've, I've no way out of that. I'm done. Anyway, about an hour later, there's all these Scottish power people in the street. I signed a confidentiality agreement. I shouldn't even be telling you this, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I was a kid. I didn't know what I was signing. There was all these, I should have said power company vans in the street. I've let it quite out of the bag. It doesn't matter. There was all these people on the street. Right? Don't share this online. All these people on the street. And I was going, Some, something's went wrong. I was beginning to smell a rat. And I, it turned out that Scottish power, <laughs> had, had hired a third party to restore power to our street and they were to bring a big generator. And of course, anyone who knows anything about generators and electricity, you have to earth it somewhere. They earthed it to my gas pipe. That's what happened. So first day in a job, I don't know what they done. Power surged my house, blew up my house, everything gone. But I'm starting to go, I might come out of this all right. You know what I mean? Like somebody's made a mistake, I might come out of this all right. So the next day, sent an email to Scottish Power 
you blew my house up last night. <laughs> I got given a business card of a lawyer, you blew my house up. My house was for sale because I can't afford to pay for it. Here's what it's for sale for. I want that plus 50 grand. And we'll walk away. We'll, we'll not say anything else about it. And they said, we're not in the business of buying houses, Mr. Brackenridge. And I said, you shouldn't be in the, house, the business of blowing them up. But you still done it. I said, I want, you agree to buy my house today or tomorrow you're going to regret it? They said, no, I'm not going to buy your house. I went, okay, that's fine. So I phoned the newspaper. And the next day, in the centre page of the Daily Record, I got the whole centre page, it was great, was a picture of me and Ella and baby Max with our burned out house going. <laughs> <laughs> and this big story, Dad slams power company. And then every news crew in the country were on the phone, will you come on the news tonight, Mr Brackenridge? Will you come on the news? Will you tell us your story? Will you talk to us about what happened? And Scottish power like, we'll buy your house, we'll buy your house. I was like, yeah, the price went up. <laughs> Anyway, we agreed to sell our house to them and uh, by the time the price had went up and by the time they'd paid for my contents and all the other stuff that they had, because that was just the house I was talking about, by the time they'd paid for my contents, which they also paid a premium for, I got to the penny the amount of debt I was in and was able to clear my debt off in one go. End up totally debt free. Um, and it was, it was only God that can do that. See, we can have disasters happen to us and we just don't understand it at the time. If God had told me, Dave, I'm going to burn your house down, I'm going to not, God, going to not do that. But God sometimes does stuff that doesn't make sense to us, but it just works out because he's in control and he loves us and he can restore any situation. So anyway, at that point in time, I should probably have started listening to God and praying to God and asking God what he wanted me to do with my life. Would that be fair? I didn't do that. I started another business because I thought I was invincible. I thought I knew what I was doing. Started a wee call centre in Cumberland Old. And then of course the worldwide recession hit and money started getting tight again and we had to shut that business down. I should probably have prayed to God and said, God, what do you want me to do? But I didn't. I actually took a job being a sales manager for Scottish Power. That's really funny, wasn't it? <laughs> and uh, I made them a whole, I made them a whole lot of money. I was making myself a whole lot of money. I had a big sales team and every time somebody in my sales team sold something, I made money. I was, I was sitting making money for day nothing. It was great. Loved it. And then, uh, then this opportunity fell in my lap to do a deal with Peter Jones from Dragon Den, Dragon's Den's company. So I flew down to London. Really funny story, but I don't have time to tell it. Actually, if you want to hear the funny story about Peter Jones' company, come talk to me. I'll tell you. It was really, really funny. Involves cars. Anyway, right. I'm in, I'm in there. And I do the deal, I sign the deal, it's worth a million pound to me. And uh, so, again, I'm phoning Ella, I've done it, we've won, like we've got it, we've done this deal. And uh, it, was for, it was for wristwatch mobile phones, believe it or not. Uh, the very, I had the rights to the very first wristwatch mobile phone in the world for the UK. It kind of fell on my lap. Done the deal, it was going to go on the Vodafone network, and then something happened with the battery life of the watch when they tested it and they were like, we can't release it. And so anyway, after, within the cooling off period, the contract was cancelled and I had quit my job with Scottish Power because I thought I was a millionaire again and things were bad, right? Anyway, I then got a phone call and got offered a quarter of a million pound a year salary to move to Poland and, and, and look, after a, look after sales for a pensions company in Poland. And I've done the really stupid thing that Christians do where they don't pray about stuff. And they think if it's good, it's from God. And if it's bad, it's from Satan. And I thought 250 grand is good. I'm going to go, it must be from God. It's good, it must be from God. Flew over to Poland, making all this money. Uh, except it just didn't work out. My wife and Ella's, my wife Ella's at home. 
the kids are at home and I just felt so alone. I just felt like I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be and I didn't understand how my life had got me to the point that money became more important to me than being with my family. That money had become more important to me than following Jesus. Like, it was just, life was a pure mess, to be honest. I wasn't happy. I'd been chasing money and chasing millions for years and I had, I had brushes with having loads of money and then times where I didn't have any money and just my life was about money, no money, money, no money, money and just everything was a mess. And I was sitting in an apartment in Poland in a wee kitchen and I had a full-blown nervous breakdown. Worst moment of my life. I'm on the floor, curled up in a bowl, literally like a wee baby, bawling my eyes out. And I phoned Della to try and tell her what was happening, but I couldn't get a word out. And she just said, phone me back when you stop crying and put the phone down. I was like, uh -huh, yeah, do you remember that? Yeah. Right. It was really she, to be fair, she was probably annoyed with me for leaving and going to Poland on my own, right? So she probably was justified and her phone me back when you bawling my eyes out, man, and started shouting to God, like, God, what's going on? Screaming at God, why are you doing this to me? What have I done wrong? Like, why, why am I in this position? And I hadn't heard God speak to me so clearly and since the day that I met Ella and God was like, you've to marry her, I hadn't heard God like that in the, the 10 years since. God said as clear as anything, like not, not audibly, but just like so clear in my heart, I understood it. Dave, I never told you to be a millionaire. I told you you'd be a youth pastor. Clear as you like. 10 years ago and 10 years of my life I'd wasted chasing something that God never told me to chase trying to become someone that God never told me to try and become. Uh, and ultimately, all I had become was a failure, which is exactly what all them people said I was going to be. So, and because I took my, I didn't focus on things that are above, I focused on people and no Jesus. I ended up fulfilling all the negative stuff that everyone had ever spoken over me. I was a failure. I'd lost three businesses. Uh, I had lost my house. I had lost everything. And I, I literally, I just had nothing left. I had nothing left. Anyway, I took the next flight home from Poland and I promised God, I'm not going to move again unless you tell me to move. And uh, took, we, we, we rented our house out because we, we didn't have a job at that, didn't have any money, rented our house out, moved me, Ella and the four kids back in with my mum and dad into two little rooms and I just said, I ain't not moving until God gives me a youth pastor's job because that's what God's told me to do. That's who God called me to be. Three months later, I got a call from someone I hadn't seen since I was 16 years old says, Dave, do you remember me? Brian Sargent was his name. Christian World's a small world, if you know him. That's a guy. Brian Sargent's his name. Dave, there's this youth pastor's job advertised in this magazine I'm reading, and I felt like God told me to phone you and tell you about it. It's like, wow. So, phoned the church. Um, ended up getting appointed youth pastor there. Had a really successful youth ministry for two years. Grew really, really well. The church grew really, really well. Uh, unfortunately, Sometimes in churches, they don't really like new things or new ways of doing things, even if they work. So eventually we get ushered out the door by people in the church. The leaders wanted us to stay. Some of them are now in this church. It's great. But some of the people didn't like the fact that I would read the Bible from a phone and not from the Bible and such like. So we ended up not there. Started a Christian rock band. Ended up all over the world playing rock shows, leading people to Jesus like leading young folk to Jesus every weekend. I just totally loved it, seeing people's lives transforming all the time. It, fairly successful. And then bizarrely, after promising myself I'd never ever start another business ever again, God asked me to start a business. But the difference was this time God asked me to start a business and I didn't decide to buy a business. 
And what I did was I set it up as a charity so it could never ever be about money. So I couldn't take money out of it. All the money went towards other things. So I started off a business called Rookie Rockstars. Um, we started off just me and Jill and a few folk in a little hut that was in my back garden. We graduated to offices um, and things grew and grew and grew. Now that business has got like 100 staff and uh, 12 premises. And we're, like, we're counselling hundreds of kids a week. We're teaching music to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids a week. And God's really, really blessed that business. Then I get called to come here. Didn't want to come, sorry. Uh, did not want to come. Um, was approached by some people in the church a few times, was like not interested. And then I felt God told me to come. Kind of argued with him a little bit. And then he done a really annoying thing and he told Ella we were to come as well. And then so that meant I couldn't really do anything about it. I uh, hadn't even mentioned it to Ella. She, she brought it up to me. I was like, right, okay, God, you've, you've, you've got me, you've won. But honestly, I went, uh, came here and it's been a fairly successful four years. The church is, is just phenomenal. We love you guys. We love the church. We love what God's done here. And uh, for those that don't know, it was a very, very, very small church. Uh, very, very few people left in it. And what God has done over the past four and a half years has been incredible. And I look back in my life, right, and I had these 10 years of just abject failure. I failed at everything. I didn't succeed at a thing except my marriage. And even that was probably by the grace of God because Ella should probably have chucked me a long time ago, but she didn't. Failed at everything. And my identity was that of a failure. But from the second I turned back to Jesus, by the second I took Jesus seriously, by the second I decided I'm not doing nothing until I prayed about it first, it's like everything's worked out. Remember, people used to say to me, if you didn't have bad luck, you'd have no luck at all. And that was true, to be honest with you. And now people say to me, everything you touch turns to gold, which isn't quite true, but it's kind of, I feel like that sometimes. I feel like there's just a blessing on my life. And when God tells me to do something, he's already went ahead and blessed it. I kind of feel like I'm living, even with church and business and everything, I feel like I'm in this like out of body experience where I'm just watching God bless stuff and I just get to enjoy the ride. Do you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just being carried along by it. I'm not really doing anything. I'm just enjoying it. Um, but it's the same guy who was a failure, who's had some fairly significant success over the past sort of six, seven, eight years. And the only difference is Jesus. When I was doing things without Jesus, I failed. And when I was doing things with Jesus, I succeeded. When I was doing things without Jesus, I was a total failure. When I was doing things with Jesus, Jesus took my failures and used them to help people and used them to bless people and used them to make me into somebody else and, and, and something else that actually could be successful. So my encouragement to people is, let's get the band back up, is don't be what I did. Don't make decisions without involving Jesus in them because you end up in a wilderness, you end up a mess, you end up lost, you end up all over the place. But if you give your life to Jesus, if you're a Christian, because a lot of us don't do this. I didn't, I was a Christian. If you're a Christian and you actually start asking Jesus for his opinion on every small decision and on every big decision you're going to make, funny enough, things just seem to start working. Funny enough, God just seems to, to guide you to the right places. I've just found in life a whole lot of us end up in trouble because we didn't consult Jesus in the first place. That's what happened to me. Jesus was capable those 10 years of directing me properly. Jesus was capable of blessing my life. Jesus was capable of leading me. I just didn't let him. I didn't ask him. I didn't want to know. 
But the last 12 years now, I have been interested. I have been asking him. And every step I take is directed by God. And funny enough, see when you take steps that are directed by God, things just seem to start working. Does that mean I've not had any trouble? Absolutely not. Being a pastor is not easy, right? I've, not, I've had trouble. It's not, been a, it's not been a walk in the park. But Jesus has been with me every single step of the way. And I've had the privilege of leading hundreds of people to Jesus. Um, I've had the privilege of just knowing that I'm carried in his arms as I walk through life. And there's no a better feeling like it in the world. That's the truth. Let me pray for you. Thanks for listening to the Home Church Scotland podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, feel free to get in touch with me. My email is dave at homechurch.scot.com.